What's up, everyone, and welcome to the School District Podcast. My name is Adam. Welcome. This is my podcast. I'm the host, and I really hope you enjoy all the conversations I have with educators really all over the world. We talk about the pain points and lessons learned in education so we can all simply be better for kids and the colleagues we work with. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and share your favorite conversations with colleagues or anyone you think would enjoy. Today's episode is sponsored by Schoolytics. This is the third episode that Schoolytics has sponsored. And let me tell you the messages and comments I've gotten from people that have been checking it out and that are just literally like, oh my gosh, I didn't know Schoolytics existed. And I'm so glad that now I know. And I can tell you firsthand, as a former principal and director of innovation for a really large school district in the Bay Area, I know firsthand how busy the school day is and how many different programs and add-ons there are for educators. And when it comes to managing and analyzing student data, Schoolytics is the solution that gets it done for you. Superintendents, assistant soups, directors of curriculum, principals, hey, maybe you're even like in charge of all the data for the entire district or the entire county or your service unit. You get what I'm talking about. Schoolytics has the insights you didn't even know you needed <laughs> without even having to ask for them. And you can't lead or plan without. Thousands of school leaders are using Schoolytics right now in their districts all across the country. Progress reports, you know, scores organized by individual school. If you got a presentation coming up to the school board, I remember when I was a principal, I used to, I used to, I wouldn't say have to, I used to have the opportunity <laughs> to present to the school board a few times a year. And I wish Schoolytics existed back then because it really just takes all your different platforms and programs, your SIS, LMS, assessment platforms, and it just lets you look at all that information together. Switch on Schoolytics to get more, crank out the data that you need, and just simply be better. Go to schoolytics.com. That's school, Y-T-I-C-S.com to contact the team and get started today. Tell them Adam sent you. And if you're looking for a speaker that is high energy, relevant, fun, and relatable. I am booking professional development days right now for 2022 and my 2023 calendar is filling up. I'm booking way more 2023 than I am 2022. Some 2022 are still coming in, but literally like the last two weeks, I've had 20 people reach out from all over the country just looking to book August days, which is my busiest month, you know, those back to school keynotes and convocations, but a ton of leadership days and just different professional development days. I've given well over 300 keynotes all across North America the last like six years. And I think I've been in like 42 states. I've just, uh, I've made the rounds. It's been a, it's been a super fun, awesome journey. And I would just love to work with you. Email me directly, adamwelcome at gmail.com or mradamwelcome.com for more information about speaking and also my other podcasts and blog. All right. My guest for today is Dr. Mike Hines. 
Mike is a superintendent in New York in like the Long Island area. And I actually got to know Mike through his wife, Erin. What's up, Erin, who is an assistant superintendent out in the Long Island area. And uh, they're both just uh, amazing educators, amazing human beings. And uh, Mike is somebody that I've been connected with for years. And, you know, we chat and talk. He's an author. He's a Fulbright specialist. He's got a TED talk. He's running 50Ks and 70Ks and actually has a hundred mile race coming up. He's just, uh, he's, uh, he, you know, he used to be a tennis pro. He's really a renaissance renaissance uh, kind of guy and just a really super caring educator and uh, individual. W Wicked smart. Uh, you're going to enjoy this conversation. Be sure to follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Hines. That's H-Y-N-E-S. And then the number five, I'm going to link it in the show notes as well. Mike also wrote a great book called Staying Grounded, 12 Principles for Transforming School leadership effectiveness. And uh, I'm going to link that in the show notes as well, too. I thank you for being here. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there. So uh, I just try to do no frills conversation. We get in, we chat, we get out. Mike's conversation is just under 30 minutes. So uh, thanks for being here. And I hope you enjoy. Dr. Mike Hines, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's good to see you, Adam. How are you? Uh, super good. Everybody right now, make sure, go to Twitter, follow Mike, at Mike Hines. That's with a Y, not an I, H-Y-N-E-S. And then the number five, Mike is one of those special guests. You know, a lot of my guests I, I know in quotes through Twitter. Uh, I've never met, but uh, Mike, we've hung out. We've had dinner. We've had coffee. I, I mean, your wife, I've did work did work with for like two years in uh, in her school district. Aaron, what's up? Shout out to Aaron Hines, another amazing uh, educational leader. But uh, Mike, for the people out there that don't know who you are, man, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Oh yeah, well, there's so much to share, Adam, about me. No, I'm I'm totally kidding. Um, so listen, I've been in education for 26 years. The past 12 as a superintendent, which is really hard to even conceive right now, um, even though the past three years felt like 10. Um, former teacher, elementary teacher for several years, and also a building principal at the middle school, elementary level, district office, assistant suit for curriculum instruction. Custodian, no, I haven't been a custodian, but I certainly respect our custodial staff and our clerical staff. Um, but yeah, this is, listen, I, I love what I do. I'm very fortunate. I work in Port Washington in New York. It's on Long Island. It's on the Gold Coast of Long Island, very close to New York City. And I'm um, just honored to serve kids. That's what yeah, it's all yeah. about. Yeah, no doubt. And aren't you a tennis pro also, or you used to be a tennis pro and teach I, lessons? Is that right? It's no, you, wow, you did your research. Yeah, I, um, I did a very long time ago. I used to be a teaching pro. I used to teach, believe it or not. If you know who Anna Wintour is from the Double mm. Wears Prada, she was the editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine. I used to teach at her house on the island, yes, in the Hamptons. Interesting. So, yeah, no but um, yeah, but now, I mean, I don't have time to even pick up a badminton racket now. So, but yes, <laughs> love tennis. Yeah, we love tennis also. You know, Mike, I feel like in education, we are so good at bringing things into our schools new programs, projects, ideas, curriculums, whatever. But I, th I feel like in, in the work that I do across the country, I feel like we're, we're kind of bad at getting rid of old programs or curriculum or practices. 
that are really just tired and out of date. You know, it's kind of like wallpaper, layer after layer after layer, and we never actually take off old wallpaper. Now, how do you as a superintendent, as a leader of a school district, how do you kind of like regulate and keep your finger on the pulse of making sure what's happening in your district and in your schools and in your classrooms is relevant, it's up to date, and it's what's best for kids and teachers? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I use the analogy of you keep buying clothes and shoving them in the closet. After a while, it's not going to fit. So you need to get rid of some of your old clothes. And, and I, I speak about that often with our staff. I guess the easiest way for me to answer that question is I shadow students and I shadow them often. Um, I think it's really important that if you are serving your teachers, you're serving your kids, you need to know what a typical day looks like. So, you know, one day I'll shadow a kindergartner. I'll have to hook up an IV after that uh, for two days to recover because, listen, when you and I were, well, I'll say me maybe, uh, when I was in kindergarten as a student, it's very different than what it is right now as far as what they have to learn and the way teachers have to educate. And it's the same thing for our seniors or our juniors. You know, I'll shadow kids who are taking five, six AP classes and then they, you know, they do things after school until 11 o'clock at night. So you being there on the front line shadowing students that's the first thing the second thing is once a year at all three levels i'll substitute teach for a teacher which are the three scariest days of my life um, when i have to do that and that's no joke that's, <laughs> that's a shout out to all teachers out there um and the teacher who i'm subbing for randomly they have the choice not to stay home but they can either stay in class with me and and help me <laughs> or they can go to another teacher's classroom and learn from another teacher which is really the best form of pd as far as i'm concerned um so that keeps me a grounded b keeps me in touch with what's going on within the classroom from a different perspective and then the third and final one is i listen to our principals and, and our directors as far as what they think uh, should be and needs to be new or different. You know, do we augment something that we have? Do we remove something, as you just said? Uh, just because we've been doing it for 25 years doesn't mean we have to do it for 26 years. Is there evidence to show that whatever has been happening, that it's actually impacting kids in a positive way? So those are the three, I think, probably quickest ways for me to articulate, you know, how I know we need to remove things and, and shift directions. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I, there's many things that I admire about you, Mike, but you're always so open and transparent on social media where I see you know where I see you most is spending time in classrooms and spending time on the carpet with kids if it's in kindergarten or whatever grade it is and you know you can't know where you need to take your organization if you don't know where your organization is and you have a great office I'm looking at it right now but you know school districts don't make their money in offices of people in the central office they make it in classrooms with kids and it's uh it's just so important now one question that i get all the time from people is i want to get into administration i want to become an instructional coach or a vice principal principal or move to central office what is your best advice for people that are wanting to get into school administration or maybe move to that next level of school admin so I think one is you have to understand, if I hear people say you go into the dark side, it's it's not the dark side. It's only dark if you want it to be dark. But the, the number one thing is you have to understand it's a complete shift in how you operate um, as an educator. So you no longer have your 30 kids, 25 kids or 120 kids. You have to understand you are now, instead of serving kids, you're serving adults. And if you are willing to serve in that capacity and learn and grow, 
the best thing I could say is you have to be, you have to be comfortable being very uncomfortable, not knowing what you're doing. Uh, you have to actually embrace that. And if you're up to that challenge, because if you're a control freak, it, it's going to, it's going to just destroy you. And I think many of us who are administrators start out as control freaks, but you realize um, the more that you let go, the more control you actually have. And so I would recommend that, you know, you have an open mind, you, you understand if you can find a mentor, you find a mentor for sure. And this is, here's the last thing, Adam, your skin thickness, I don't mean your actual skin thickness, but your ability to let things roll off of you like a duck with water. If you have baby skin and everything's going to impact you and affect you and infect you uh, because of what people say or what people do, it is not the business for you. You need rhino skin um, where you know you can make decisions and live with them and then deal with all the darts and bullets that come your way. Uh, that is something that's incredibly important too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I used to always tell myself, don't take it personal. <clears throat> it's not me. It's the chair that I'm sitting in because no matter who would be sitting in the chair and not to not to just like desensitize the work that we do, right? Because, you know, we're building relationships and everything else. But if somebody's coming at you uh, in that way, it's uh, it's definitely don't take it personal. Let's talk about play and let's talk about recess. And if you know, you can't see Mike's face, but Mike, Mike just lit up because Mike, um, Mike is known, I would say one of the many things that you're known about is for getting kids to play and recess. Um, you know, a book I read a long time ago um, was by Posse uh, Salberg about uh, the finished model of education. I know you've been since spent some time there. Uh, for people that kind of don't know what we're talking about, maybe kind of kind of give some overview, Mike, and then how it's kind of impacted how you lead. So you're right; my face did light up uh, when you mentioned <laughs> play. Um, for for some reason, play and recess in in many ways have such a, a weird stigma attached to it. Meanwhile, it is the number one way that adults and, by the way, kids learn things. Uh, it's through play, through interaction. And there's structured play and unstructured play and mixed age play and all those different things. But for some reason, the educational model that we work within um, have either minimized that because there, there are only six states in the United States that mandate recess, by the way, which to me is clinically insane. And federal prisoners have more recess time than elementary schools in a lot of different states, which absolutely makes no sense. And the research, by the way, shows that the more kids move, the more kids have the ability to, you learn all these executive functioning skills when you're in recess or when you have unstructured play, it actually, it impacts their academic ability, their cognitive ability, uh, their ability to actually socially and emotionally regulate what's what's taking place within their system, their, their body system and, and, and the people they interact with. So you mentioned Finland real quick. Um, for those of you who want a very quick lesson, I'll make it very quick, Adam, I promise. For those of you who care about test scores, you look at international test scores, people who don't know what the PISA is, it's, a, it's an international test given uh, around the world since 2000. Uh, Finland um, has scored near the top almost every year in all different domains, content areas. When I went to Finland, um, the elementary school, first of all, the day is uh, almost half as long as what it is in America. Um, it's shorter, meaning the school year is shorter. And yet when I was there visiting the school system, I, I remember there were kids riding their bikes, kindergartners riding their bikes a mile away without their parents and a GPS chip attached to their neck. That's the first thing. Second thing is they're allowed to climb trees until 
the cows come home. The third thing is they're allowed to actually use tools in first grade. Here in New York, we would have three attorneys attached to kids if they were using tools in first grade. The moral of the story is they trust kids to be kids and that's how they learn. They fall down, they get dirty, all those different things. They have recess for, I will say, breaks in elementary school four times a day. Two feet of snow, they're going outside. And what that has shown over time is that, they're, they, they, first of all, all the different things that you would want within the classroom, whether it's kids on task, kids taking school seriously, kids attending to themselves and others, all those things are totally augmented in, in ways that we would never foresee. The district before I came here in Patchogue Medford, we doubled recess. We not only doubled recess, um, we focused on social and emotional growth and physical growth and made that a real priority. And what we saw was we had kids who were written up for detention referrals, um, kids who would be suspended. It decreased in half within a very, very short period of time. And there's no silver bullet in education, Adam, but I would say that's pretty darn close to coming to a silver bullet. And by the way, it's free. All of this is free. And yet, if it's introduced to most superintendents, to most principals, they, we call it the Heisman effect. It's, it's this, we, 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 we don't do it. And I don't know why. And the research is out there, whether it's from Posse Salberg or Peter Gray or a whole host of other things. Um, anyway, I could talk about it forever. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, we just went camping this last weekend for Labor Day with two other families. And actually, we were lucky there was no cell phone reception at oh. the campground, which honestly, Mike, I was so excited about. My my family, we had been in the area before. And on the way down, I told my wife, I'm like, you know, there may not be cell reception. And I just started smiling because, you know, like you do your best to turn your phone off and put your phone on airplane mode. But when you don't have cell reception, you're like game over. And it was amazing. And we're in this campground in the dirt on a river and the kids are setting up hammocks and they're just playing. And, you know, we're all just kind of hanging out, the parents talking and, you know, you're just kind of looking around. And I was thinking about our upcoming conversation and that and how valuable the problem solving that they're going through, the communication that they're going through. You don't get that from YouTube. You know, you don't get that from video games and so many other even just curriculum that we do in our schools. It was just, it was so absolutely beautiful to watch, Mike. And then just the the things that the kids are getting from it that they don't even realize that they're getting from it, which is just, uh, is just so, so valuable. You know, with that being said, fast forward to the end of this up, upcoming school year. How will you define success? If you look back on the 180 days, you're going to be like, yeah, we were successful if this really great question right now i'm focused on because like i said before we're a very high performing school district you look at almost every metric uh ap scores region scores those are exit exams here in new york um we, we do very very well in spite of the fact we never had until this year really a new vision a new mission and a portrait of a graduate meaning that by the time kids leave here after 13 years starting in kindergarten or 14 in pre-k 14,000 hours of being in our system there are certain attributes certain skill sets that are non-negotiable that we want kids to possess whether they move into university level entrepreneur workforce whatever it is military so the one thing i'm looking at right now to define success for me is 
our graduation rates for the students who have been underserved for many, many years, where it's hovered around 75, 80% for our L's, for our special education students. Because right now, if I look at our graduation rates, they're around 94, 95%, which is okay. It's not great, but it's not, but you dig into the data and you look at certain, you know, cohorts. And traditionally for generations, it's 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 been well below what it should be, because there's no greater sin for any school system if a student doesn't graduate. They are, there is no eight ball to be behind if they don't graduate. It's very, very hard to just eke out a living, even if you do graduate, forget not graduating. So I'm focusing on closing those gaps and getting all of our subgroups as close to 100% as possible. So if they're in the 90s, it's a good first step. That's a very long answer, but it's it's a very important one. Yeah, no, no, it's really important. I was, I was, uh, I was like to ask people that, you know, because you think you're like you're in, you're in it, and you're like, oh gosh, yeah, we're doing it, we're doing it, and you know, when does the school year end? But then I don't know if we really always take the time to stop and look back, or to, or to project, hey, I need to be doing these things now because in May it's going to be too late because the year's going to be over or it's going to be ending. Uh, you know, we love talking about books on this podcast, and I usually ask my guests for books that they recommend. But instead, I want to talk about staying grounded, 12 principles for transforming school leader effectiveness. Uh, I'm lucky I was kind of not on the ground floor with you, but we talked a bunch and, you know, we're, we're pretty connected. I was coming to New York about once a month. Uh, for a couple of years to, uh, to do work uh, in your wife's school district. Shout out, shout out to Sachem. Um, and uh, instead of recommending a book, I want to talk about yours because it's an awesome book. People should pick it up. What, it's a, what is it about? Um, give us kind of like the overview of Staying Grounded. Well, thank you for that, Adam. And, and you were a large part of me actually, actually sitting down and, and starting that work. And so you motivated me, me to do that. So thank you for that. Um, the book is about something I wish I had when I started administration. Um, it's, it's a very easy resource to pick up. It's very easy to lose ourselves as we start off in education. And even if we've been a veteran, like old man river here, uh, you know, doing it for over 20 years. Right. So it focuses on three things. It's the inside work that we have to work on ourselves to stay grounded. And what I mean by stay grounded is not lose ourselves um, from a health perspective, a spiritual perspective, a mental health perspective, all those different things. Then there's the outside work, is, which is some of what we spoke about today is what is the purpose of us being here? What's the purpose of education? What is your mission, like your own educational mission? Like, why are you here? Um, understanding for me, child development is something that we don't really take a deep dive into well enough is to understand the different developmental phases of kids and young adults. And we need to become reacquainted with that. And then the last thing I really focus on is, you know, EQ versus IQ. You know, IQ is given so much prominence. And what that means and how do you embed that within the system and after each chapter. It really, you know, allows allows you to challenge yourself and, and to ask yourself questions. You know, how do you fit in all these different 12 things? And, you know, my theory is if you follow those 12 things, you will be a much better A person and just as important, I think, uh, educator and administrator. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't talk about every book that all of my guests have written. You know, one thing that I really, really love about your book, Mike, is 
you read it or you read a chapter and you can go apply that concept. I think that is so, so valuable. I don't know about you. I'm sure you've been this way because you have your doctorate and you read books and you don't even know what you read after a chapter or a page. And I just love to be able to have a tool, get it added to my tool belt and then go be able to apply it in uh, in the work that I do. So uh, everybody go to Amazon, uh, staying grounded, 12 principles for transforming school leader ethics effectiveness sir ken robinson actually read it and gave a quote uh the late great sir ken robinson um so uh it's uh it's a really really great one mike how do you plan your day do you plan it the night before do you plan it the morning of we get a glance and then the second question part of this question is how do you prioritize your day because you can plan it and you're like all right cool i got my plan and i remember that when i was a principal i have like the best day planned and then it all goes haywire and then i have to reprioritize my day how do you approach that so um well first of all just like you i get up very early so i have i i set the stage for the day by getting up very early and doing something physical uh, whether it's going to the gym or whether it's running. Uh, so those are the two things. And what that does is clear my mind. That's non-negotiable seven days a week. Again, that sets the stage for everything I'm about to do. Then there are certain routines that we all have. And I have certain routines, you know, before I even get to work, I'm, I'm doing at least five or six things for me that are not selfish, but again, puts me in the best mental state, physical state to do what I have to do. Then there's the calendar within my day. And you know, being a principle that that calendar could change at a moment's notice so i have two assistants here and i block out times within my day that allows me to go to schools those are non-negotiables unless something you know something's burning down um um every single day i have my vitamin b12 shot i'm in a classroom i'm with kids that's non-negotiable then i do what i will cal newport would talk about shallow work versus deep work right so i set aside time toward the beginning of the day, if I can, after I visit a classroom, to do some of the deep work that takes time to really dig deeply into something that has to get done, whether it's teamwork, whether it's individual work, whether it's work I have to do for the Board of Education, whatever it might be. And then it's answering emails. And I split my time to answering emails a few in the morning and a few before I leave. When I leave, I have a piece of paper, things I didn't do. I make sure I carry them over to the next day. And then you know for a fact it's it's a Joe Namath guarantee that something's going to disrupt your day. You embrace the fact that's going to happen. You don't have a freak out session. And whatever those things you don't get done, you carry them over. I have a tickler file like most things, things that have to take place. So my administrative assistants are just they're like it's like the Holy Trinity, right? So I have I have the two of them and and they they keep me, no pun intended, very grounded. But <laughs> you you have to embrace. The th that things are going to change. You, you know, Adam, you're working in a human system. It has to, you know, if, if some, if a parent comes up here, up here really upset, that takes precedence over an email I'm about to respond to or anything else. So that's the way I kind of structure my day. But what sets the stage, like I said, is, and is what I do in the morning and I go to bed relatively early uh, in the evening, you know, unless there's a board meeting. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get in bed by 9.30, 9.45, lights out, no phone, for at least an hour before I go to bed. Yeah. Are you still only checking your email twice a day? I know that used to be a thing for you. Are you still kind of holding to that? So I tried that for the first month here and that did not work. So <laughs> <laughs> in my previous system, it totally worked. 
where I was before here, it, it, from a cultural standpoint, it, it was it, it was not working. So what I try to do um, is instead of two times a day, I'll check it maybe four times a day. And, and so I'm not like this, like every 10 seconds, mm -hmm. but it's not like I was doing it before. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, I love yeah, that yeah. before. Yeah, let's talk about running. You're on you're on kind of a running journey, I would say the last like what year and a half, two years with some with some big races and people know that running is near and dear to my heart and you have a you have a big, big race coming up. So just talk about kind of what's going on in your life with running and, and what you got going on and maybe what you've gotten out of that. Sure. So if well, again, you know, not to sound funny, but you know, seeing all what you've done with with running inspired me to just check it out and see what it's all about so um and, and i'm all or nothing like there's something wrong with me and i'm like you know so you know I, I i when i'm in i'm in there's no fifth gear there's like seventh or eighth gear mike so, you're my mike's my brother from another mother because we have so <laughs> many things in common it's it's, it's true <laughs> it's 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 crazy man so listen you know the, the pandemic i think it's safe to say it, it shook us many of us if not all of us like a snow globe and at the, about a year and a half ago, you're right, about a year and a half ago, I, I decided I needed to get back into a different type of shape. And I always knew in years past that running cleared my mind. That was the first and foremost of why I wanted to do it. So I challenged myself to a half marathon. Marathon, so that could be 27 miles, they would consider that an ultra. So I ran two ultra races, 132 miles, 140 miles. And now the one that's coming, the one that's coming up right now um, is 100 is 100 miles. That's the one that's on October 8th. And so I'm preparing for that. But the difference, Adam, between, you know, what you do in a marathon and what I'm doing in ultra, first of all, I'm running a hell of a lot slower than what you're running. So you're, you're running for like crazy times and I'm running to make sure I cross the finish line with my feet intact. Um, but in all seriousness, this one, I want to finish in under 24 hours. That's, that's the goal. Um, and what I get from it, geez, that's a whole nother episode because there's so much that you get for it. I, I don't do it for the physical part of it, believe it or not. I do it for the mental, spiritual part of it. Like you learn a lot about life when you run, especially when you're running those distances, you know, marathon or, or longer. Uh, you learn a lot about yourself. Uh, you learn about obstacles, how to overcome them. You learn that you're only using 20% of your brain, of your body. And there's so much more there that you can tap into. When you think you're done, you're not done. All those different things. And a lot of life lessons uh, within, within running. But make no mistake about it, I am very slow <laughs> when I'm running. I'm not running your speeds, man. Hey, I'm, you know, everybody's getting older and uh, my goal now is just to finish and uh, have fun and to gain something from every race that I do. I think that's uh, super important. Mike, if you could choose one person alive or dead to spend the day with who's not a family member, who would it be and why? I, love, I haven't been asked that question in a while. I used to say John Adams because of his relationship with his wife, Abigail. So I think of Aaron and I, and you know, how you, you can't be successful either as a husband or a wife without the other, because she was so integral in, into how he was and how much he relied on her and all that stuff. The other would be probably 
the late Ken Robinson too, if I could spend a whole day with him and pick his brain, knowing what he knows now um, and what he thinks the next step should be, you know, as far as the future of education. So either John Adams, I just totally just blew this up. I, I, I answered two, John Adams and, 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 and Ken Robinson for two different, totally different reasons. Yeah, no, you're 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 allowed to answer too, and uh, those are two people that I would uh, I definitely love to hang out with too. Mike, uh, a big part of this podcast is amplifying the voices of my guests, so I'm just gonna pass the microphone over to you to close us out. What would you like to say to all the people that listen to this podcast? So, I'm assuming many of the people that are listening uh, will f- first a thank you uh, for listening. Uh, b is this is what I told all my staff members, teachers, custodians, administrators this year. And I really do mean it. A, I love you. B, you need to take care of yourself. Like really, really take care of yourself because nothing matters if you don't have your health. And you can't take care of you. You can't take care of your family. You can't do what you're meant to do in this life, which is serving the kids and the staff that you are a part of. So my, what I like to share with you is please take care of yourself in every which way. Uh, it's, it's incredibly important. And I, I hope you you take my advice in doing so. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Dr. Mike Hines at Mike Hines, H-Y-N-E-S-5. It is uh, linked in the show notes again. Not just a guest, but also a friend. Mike, I know you're busy. Thank you for, uh, thanks for making the time. I always, always love our conversations. The next time I am in the LI area, we got to get together and have dinner and, uh, and catch up in person uh, for real. But uh, everyone listening, thanks for all you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day. Thanks, Adam.